The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith. And one of us doesn't have a faith. But we still love one another and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my right, na 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 Terry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. I went to the right, y'all. So shocking. Uh, you didn't expect it, did you? I totally caught off guard. She was like, oh, nobody goes to the right. Exactly. And she was so social. What? Don't, don't, don't pick on me. I'm an emotional. What? Oh, <laughs> okay, stop it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that never happens. Straight out of Compton, <laughs> Ralph Hicks. Represent. And I can't even say behind the glass rocket any man bishop because he's gone. There, oh. I'm still I'm I'm doing things, also being attacked lightly by my cat. <laughs> by Greg, yeah. Yeah. He's setting all these he he's in there we're twisting the knobs and doing all the things. Sarita the Edge Edgerton. Hey y'all. And Big Daddy Carter. Oh yeah. That was like in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he can pan it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I am so excited about tonight. We've been waiting for a while. Tonight we have authors again for the second time. Pete and Rachel Rue, welcome to the show, guys. Good. How are you doing? Thank hey. you. It's Thanks so for nice having to us. see you. Hey, lift up, show, bring your shirts up a little bit and show everybody on the video. They I, have got. I don't know if you can see. Yeah, my... We can. We can see. They got the, right. new, okay. the new gear yep. with the new burrow. Just like, mine? yep, it the matches your the they new got logo. The, they got yeah. the hoodies. Represents. Yes. Hey, they got a hoodie? <laughs> they got a hoodie. <laughs> nobody, just oh, so yeah. you know, just so you guys understand. We didn't get hoodies. We didn't nobody get else has hoodies. hoodies but Pete and Rachel Rue. Oh, my wow. God. Uh, excuse okay. me. They I protest. Ro- they live in Rochester, New York. <laughs> it's cold, bro. Oh, I got family. I got family in Rochester. No, we got some new hoodies that are that are being made. Holly, my wife, makes those, and so okay. and it, yeah, she made the shirts and she did it. Yeah, she did a good job uh, with cool. that. So, yeah, it's very cool. But anyway, well, so cool. thank you very much. Absolutely. So you guys got the special, the special, and we had to quickly make it and quickly ship it because we ran out of product. <laughs> so that worked out though. So what I want to do, yeah. I'm super excited, guys. I got a joke. This, oh, you do? Yes. Sarita's got a joke. It's very appropriate. Okay. How do you kiss? Okay. How do you kiss someone at the end of the world? How do you kiss somebody? I like, don't know. I don't know how. On the apocalypse. Oh. Wow. That was awesome. Good. Thank that was you. Good. Thank you very much. Well, last <laughs> last time we met, we talked about your previous book, The Return of Christ. Why are, why are we still waiting? And this, yep. Yeah, and you can see right there in the, and then on the video, I've got this one. This is their new book. Let's bring it back so you can actually see it. In yeah. Times Explained, Understanding the Different Views. Now, I want to ask you guys a question first before we get too far here. Mm-hmm. So when you guys decided to do the return of Christ, you were in a cheesecake factory. Yes. Yes. And I believe it was Rachel. I think you called it the return of Christ. And then the tagline that went under the, why are we still waiting came from Pete? Right. 
Yes. All right. That's yeah. right. So That's right. when did the idea for this book come and how did you title it? Were you in a cheesecake Great. factory or? <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's a pumpkin so, pie factory. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, you, you kind of had the idea or was it, we had a friend who we were talking about the end times with and they, they said, you know what? I need a book that, that tells me what all the different views mean and what these labels mean. You know, we, cause we talk to fellow Christians and, and when we talk about our journey and stuff, we'll get questions. Well, wait, what's amillennialism? What's eschatology? And we find they don't know what these terms mean. And so someone suggested, I, I know I need a book that, that tells me what all this stuff means. So we were like, all right, we'll write the book. <laughs> I also just talking with people. I mean, I was going around just saying, you know, because the first book is just, you know, one idea. When you talk to people, you know, we, we study, study, study. And when you talk to people, you know, say the millennium, talk about the millennium and the day of the Lord or whatnot, like there's the deer in the headlights, like no one really knows what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I felt this book was almost necessary just so we can get the conversations going because everyone we will probably talk about this more later. Everyone's kind of indoctrinated, meaning they just know one view, just seeing one thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just wanted to give an education and just show like, well, A, first of all, there's more than one view out there. B, the view that's popular right now is probably the least defendable and not the greatest. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we just wanted to kind of bridge that gap, try to just have the conversations because I really feel like Rachel and I studied ourselves onto an island and we're trying to get people, we have to create this bridge to try to get people um, to listen to us. And I feel like this book is what did that. And if I can just add, it's not only the what, not only do a lot of Christians don't know what these other terms mean and what they believe, they especially don't know the why. Yeah. And we, that frustrates us when we hear pastors, oftentimes they might mention the other views in passing and briefly mention what they believe, but they never explain the why or the scriptural yeah. arguments for each view. So they just almost present it in a way to almost make them sound crazy, but they don't get into the scriptural oh. arguments and yeah. show how someone could possibly believe such a view. Yeah. And we wanted to show that and, and help educate people. Rachel did come up with the title End Times Explained. I did. Um, and I think we just fought for days and days on understanding we the different views. We struggled with the <laughs> subtitle. Yeah. Um, we had some different ideas, but you know us, we like to keep it simple and we toyed with it. The end, that's what we came up with. And we, we got fellow friends and Christians opinions and they were so like, yeah, that works. They like that better than any of the other ideas we had. So we went with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, I don't know if you guys listen to the Gary Damar podcast, but uh, he put up this episode. Bob, uh, Bobby Bobby Crookshank had sent him a video, and it was it was a uh, a pastor who was it, it said how to refute preterism. Yep, and he sent mm -hmm. it to Gary Damar. And when you watch that video, I'm gonna I want to send it to all you guys, and I'm gonna put the link to it on the website. I want you guys to see it. It was. When I watched it, like I, I thought that Gary Demar was very gracious to this man. He made this video four years ago, so but he said, you know, he's a nice man. But but I watched that and I was like, I was infuriated just because there. Not only did he not refute it, he just it was kind of like making fun of people. Yes. Okay, yeah. and so that's not teaching. But that's it, how I feel. Everybody does from their particular always. perspective. They mm -hmm. want, they seek to make belittle or make fun of other brothers and sisters in Christ mm -hmm. 
when we should be uniting on Jesus, him resurrected, the blood. Absolutely. And without belittling others, without the fruits of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. I mean, yeah, you know, like I feel because I believe something different Mm -hmm. than some of the people in this room and, and, and maybe some of the people on the computer that sometimes I feel like my beliefs are belittled. By us? By people in your camp. Oh. I'm not saying by you in particular. Okay. But by people in your camp. Um, and people in my camp, we, I think we just have to seek not to be cultish about our beliefs. Sure. The, the, the Dispy, the whole Darby dispensationalism, it's what I grew up with. Luckily, it's dying out because the Western church is dying out, and that's predominantly what the Western church believes. But a lot of the rest of the world does not believe that. So we have to be careful not to be cultish. And there are pastors in that dispensationalism who are very cult-like if you come against them. Mm -hmm. And you've even said it. Be careful if you confront a preterist because he will stab you in the stomach, not in the back, in the stomach while looking in your eyes. Yeah, (laughs) Like you you mentioned that one time on our way to a conference or something, but... You know, you just have to be very careful. We have to be very careful to treat other believers with love, to not be cultish about what we believe. Hey, none of us may be right. Mm -hmm. We may have it completely wrong all the way around, top to bottom, stem to stern. Who knows? I didn't write the the Bible. mm -hmm. I certainly don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. So I think we just have to be careful— not to be cultish about it when we speak not, to one another. I was going to say, I, I think not so much cultish as much as something I read in the book was anchoring bias. There you go. I mean, it, that's. I mean, I think that's where I find my most problems with people is you. Yeah. You know, they have this anchoring bias. You're never going to get past mm-hmm. because that's the way they were raised, and that's what they believe. And I mean, it's one of the last things written in the book, and I'm like, oh my god, that's my big takeaway. I mean, don't get me wrong, this thing has done nothing except for make me – I have to read it again. Uh, with, <laughs> yeah, I'm on my second with, time. With, it's with a concordance with this to, to understand it. And then when I'm done, I'll leave it alone for a couple months and then come back with it with fresh eyes because I'm in the process of deciding where I stand on some of these issues. So this was probably the right awesome. time for me to read this. And I have been in the process and have come to a place. But I, I, I do like – you said anchoring bias. I've been using the words confirmation bias. I can go and read yes. anything and confirm my own bias. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful, no matter who we're reading, the early church fathers, the Bible itself. It's very easy for me because I just don't believe anything uh-huh. that doesn't agree with what I already believe. <laughs> and it's just, it's a real, that real clean, and, yeah, yeah, real clean and easy way to go through life. But, you know, but you bring up a really good point, Sharita, because when I was watching that pastor Hey, the sun hasn't been dark, and that hasn't happened yet. The moon hasn't turned to blood. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened yet. The stars haven't fallen from this. I mean, obviously, these guys are- All of those have happened. Just kind of like giving them a hard time, right? And so, and he, he's kind of laughing it off. And I, as it was listening, I was like, I remember thinking that. Like, yeah, that's true. That hasn't happened. But then whenever I learned, you know, Old Testament apocalyptic language, and I was like, that was one of the things that Jeff McCormick introduced me to. And then I was like, oh, wow. So once you learn that, how easy it is once you learn something- to then almost reverse it on people. Like when you feel like you've been made fun of, you want to reverse it. But that's what I love about this book is that rather than 
just saying this view, this view, this view, oh, and this view is wrong. They just presented the view and they gave it, it was unbiased, which I thought was very kind. And that's what I think towards, and I'm going to be honest, I think towards the end, it, the their bias showed. Yeah. And it may be because I know what they believe personally, you know, I, I know them through our conversations. Uh huh. But you could see it towards the end, their it's, bias. It's impossible and ridiculous to say that anything is unbiased. That is it's actually both correct. impossible and ridiculous. You can do the best that you can do, and, and it is true. commendable yeah. when people try. Did somebody we, say it, it is very commendable, yes. I do. I do but remember. I think— Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, because um, it starts to talk about more like the Israel towards the end, I think we— purposely just trying to show more of the other side because the current view is being taught so much that we tried to, I mean, we started out showing both sides, but then we just tried to show kind of more of that other side. Because, because everybody, the majority is already familiar yeah. with the one side. Yeah. We're really trying to show people the other side. Yeah. To be more of an education. You know, but yeah, I get it though. Well, it one thing biased. I can say is that um, I don't think as many people are, familiar with the majority of of what is taught even with all right. the different views within that that one um the dispensationalist view like i was amazed at the multiple different views within that view yes that, yes. that you're not that well i won't say you i will say i have not been taught i mean yep. you know that was you know two comings three comings you know um yep. Where the rapture fell, and oh, I was just amazed. I thought, geez, and then I thought, this is, I guess, you know, the, you get told all the time that God is not the author of confusion, and so on and so forth. But then you read all yeah. these different views of the view, and I'm like, this is confusion. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. for me personally, because when I when it, I learned, I thought, well, there was just one way. I didn't realize there was all right. these ways within that one way, and then there was. All the other views that I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of idealism mm -hmm. or preterism. Wow. I had never heard any of those terms. And so the fact that uh, Rachel said, you know, the, the eschatology and um, all the different views, those were not terms that I ever heard in church. They weren't. Right. Oh, of course not. They don't want you to question. But yeah, I, I mean, we learned eschatology in this room. Yeah, never like, heard the just, word before. Andy was like, excuse me, what is wow. this? Like, what's es eschatology? And I was like, yeah, that that's a word. <laughs> hey, I didn't know that's it was an thing. option. Yeah. So from a, from a listener that kind of joining us and they haven't heard of uh, Pete and Rachel Wu yet, would you guys consider this be like, if out of the two books you've written so far, this would be the, f if you're reading the books or want to read them, wouldn't you say this would be the first book you'd want to read and then read the first book you wrote second? Yeah, that, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I mean, we are, yeah, I feel like we are happier with our second book than our first. I mean, we're both, both books I think we that's love. most authors. Well, yeah. that's a good introductory it's into not a, it. It's not to do with yeah. the quality of writing. It's not to do with, it's about no, the educational purpose of what yes. this book leads to yes. to the second book. Because for me, I have... I bought this book for a lot of people and sent it to them when you when you said, well, look, we open a bridge to talk to them and we say, I'd say, here's a, here's a perspective and here's some educational material that can help you. I said, I'd educate your reads, an easy read, but from the, the first book's perspective, it usually comes pretty fast, comes pretty hard, and it comes with, with some, a lot of material that you may not understand as a reader. 
especially if for most people we've just talked about that don't understand what these terms are, what these meanings are. And as I started to read this book, I'm like, wait a minute, this is the, should be a first book if you were able to progress them. It's not the, anything to do with writing. It's just to do about the educational purpose because I'm strong on a point of education of people. We need yes. to educate. Some of the strongest things that we, we, that we struggle in in our conversation is the amount of education we have between each other. If anybody spends a amount of time, it's like trying to explain something. From my perspective, it's like trying to have that discussion with my child. I understand more things. I have more experience. I have more knowledge in my mind. And trying to relate it to somebody that doesn't, I struggle at it. I'm not very good at it at times. Now, there are things, and if, if we can work together and be compassionate towards each other without getting heated, then maybe there'd be some middle ground in the, in the, in the end. But usually the education gap is so wide and vast, yes. you can't get that person over enough. You just can't. You can't tow them along. It's too much. It's too choppy. It's The road's too long. It's all those different things. But I think this book is awesome for the listener or the reader that this is a good educational book that opens up your mind to a lot of things that Cherry brought up, that Sarita's brought up, that can educate you about just biblical beliefs in general. I wish I'd had this almost two years ago when I sat in this room and realized that I was like, what did you say you were? A preterist? <laughs> what in the world is that? And then I went home and Googled it. I don't use Google, but I went home and searched she it duck, on the duck, internet. Duck, duck. I duck, duck, goat it. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I sat and talked to my husband. I was like, have you ever heard of this? He goes, like, briefly. Like, so I just started watching videos about what people believed. I went to the, the Preterism Conference. Um, and, but part of it was I was open to challenge my belief. In, in what I believed about the end times. I wasn't 100% certain that the left behind thing was the right thing. It's just what I had been taught in Sunday school. It's what I had known. So I, But I wish I'd had this book that would have explained it a little bit, though I've gone beyond this now in my almost two years of, of research. And I, I, I want to be careful not to say that there are two sides because we're on – the same side. As long as we're on God's side, we're on the same side. Um, but I want to be careful that we don't use the two sides because that means we're against one another. And I really don't want to facilitate that because I'm not against anybody in this room. Though when I tell you I believe things about the second trumpet and I believe things about who the Antichrist is and where he comes from, and it's very different than anything in this book that you that you you explained. And so all that to say is I wish I'd had this book. <laughs> it would have been helpful, like Rick said, mm -hmm. to, to educate someone like me who is curious and who's willing mm -hmm. to challenge her. Of course, I haven't been a Christian my whole life, but now I've been a Christian half my life. But my half my life perspective on what happens at the end if there is an end. Yeah. And whenever I interviewed you guys before, can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Yes, Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Our it, internet, it, it if keeps it's... It's freezing. Sometimes the screen is freezing. And yeah. I think it's our internet. I'm sorry. It's okay. okay. So um, when I interviewed you guys last year and you told the story, Rachel, you were sort of like going from the one view to the next view. And then you would, you guys would debate internally between you two kind of back and forth. You'd buy books, you would study them and you would read. So um, this book is kind of like 
all of that effort that you guys did over all those years, those 10 years together to come to the position, you were able to sort of lay this out in an educational way and maybe help prevent a lot of arguments between couples. (laughs) But seriously, but seriously, right? Yeah. So tell us, so tell me like the educational side of it. Okay. The educational side. This episode is brought to you by Carolina Cases. Are you tired of compromising when it comes to protecting your valuable firearms? Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, well, okay, fine. I'm cool with firearms. I just don't have any. But I can see why you would want to protect them, right? So let us tell you about Carolina Cases, your ultimate destination for hard plastic, impact-proof pistol cases. Carolina Cases are TSA-approved and are crafted with high-quality foam, ensuring maximum protection for your firearms during transport or storage. At Carolina Cases, they understand the importance of safeguarding your investments. I can understand that. I have investments. I just don't have firearms. Carolina Cases provide unparalleled durability, keeping your pistol safe from impact and damage. So hop on over to www.carolinacases.net to explore their wide range of pistol cases designed to meet your specific needs. Don't settle for less. With Carolina Cases, you can ensure your firearms are safely stored, preserve your peace of mind, and protect what matters most. So go to www.carolinacases.net. And then enter code Burrows at checkout to receive free shipping. That's B-U-R-R-O-S at checkout to receive shipping. Thanks, guys. When you when you're sharing these views, coming you've come to the end view that you're at now. You call you said mm-hmm. you've you've studied yourself to an island. Can you mm-hmm. just tell me a little bit what is it like for you? when you finally made the decision to go from one view to the next. So take me from premillennial to postmillennial or premillennial to amillennial. What is that like exactly? Even before that, like just, yeah, I studied, yeah. Uh, it's not easy. Pre-trib rapture to not, post-trib it's, rapture. It's not easy for anyone. So we, we yeah. understand that. So we do try to be kind and understanding. Before um, us, what is the... For us, yeah, I mean, like, well, so you explain. I, I would just start. Okay, you so more than I did. Well, just starting out, like for both of us. Okay, so we're we meet each other. We're dating this and that. I grew up on the Tim LaHaye books, pre-trib rapture, dispensational, the whole thing, right? Um, then we get into like Walter Martin and some of these. You know, we start studying a little bit more. Eventually, we come to like we start asking our pastor even like about. Um, a post-trib rapture. I mean, just, just kind of the rapture side of things, not let alone all the other stuff. And so, you know, we start struggling with even that and we're studying and studying. And, you know, I mean, even our pastor was like, well, if you want to, at the time we were going to another church and we currently go to, and he was even starting the conversation like, well, if you want to believe that, speaking of a post-trib rapture, maybe you should fellowship somewhere else. That's how the conversation started with that. What? Yeah. So not, we were like, wow, like this yeah. is a little not, crazy. Not, so yeah, I was saying that even before Peter and I knew each other, we both were into Chuck Missler and would watch his videos and stuff. And I remember I was saying, I even experienced some of that anchoring bias that we talk about in our book. And, and as a new Christian, I didn't know anything when I started going to a Calvary chapel and I was learning that the pre-trib rapture and the premillennial return of Christ, the dispensational view. And then I'm watching Chuck Missler video one time and I hear him talking about how there's these other views. Oh, some people are post-trib or some people are amillennial. And he made it sound, again, he gave them no credence. He made it sound as if these views were crazy. And I remember thinking, 
wow, how could anybody believe such a thing? But I didn't know anything. I knew no better. But I, and I, so I can relate. I can understand that's the attitude of a lot of Christians today. Mm -hmm. But, but for us in studying and everything, you know, it took a lot of studying just to go from like a pre-trib rapture to a post-trib rapture. And then after we kind of agreed on the rapture, you know, then the next, then the next thing is the millennium. millennium. Yeah. So then we, you study out the millennium. One thing leads to another and it's a process. And I would say this people, you know, they, they treat you like, well, you're wishy-washy and you flip flop your views. And I would say, look, what Christian, what person becomes a Christian and instantly has perfect knowledge of scripture. It's a process for all of us. We have to learn. We have to grow. We have to study or we don't know. There's so much in the Bible. that gets to what everyone was saying in the beginning. I wanted to say, like, you know, we mock what we don't understand, right? Yeah, and I that's mean, what I, happens with other that Christians. They with, mock the other views, and but, they don't know anything about them. But they're not asking the question, the right questions, the why question. The why does Rick believe what he believes? It's like, hey. why does Rick believe, uh, for example, you know, we're in the millennium now or something? Mm-hmm. You know, what led him to that? Instead of just saying, wow, Rick thinks we're in the millennium. He's crazy. He's nuts. Like, he's just gone. But like you can go to scripture and say, well, wait a minute, like, you know, what says right here in Matthew 12, that, you know, wow, it seems like Satan was bound. Jesus is casting out demons and all this is happening. And if you don't believe that Jesus came back yet, then you're kind of stuck in this area of, okay, Satan's bound. I mean, then we're waiting for the second second coming, coming. which is also the great white throne. Yeah, but it it changes everything. But if you believe Jesus came back already, then now you're in a smaller you're in a 40-year transition period that changes the, everything. The point is when pastors talk about these other views, like I said, they'll mention them in passing, and but they never give the why. They'll, they'll say, oh, my God, yeah, I'm millennialist. Well, they think we're already in the millennium. Oh, full prayers. Yeah. They think we're already in the new heaven and earth. And they present it in a way to present it as if the person's crazy, and they never give any credence or any possible reasons as to why yeah. someone could possibly believe that. Yeah. So Christians are not generally being educated. They're being indoctrinated. Well, I think yeah. it also and- goes to our narcissistic tendencies <laughs> in society to not want, yeah. to, want to admit that, that we might be wrong. That we could have been deceived. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's, that takes people straight from it their takes anchoring you, it takes bias humility. to your confirmation bias because yeah. you're holding yes. on to that. Yes. So now you're going to go confirm it. And we're yes. supposed to be humble, mm-hmm. and I'm humble enough to say that I think I know what I believe, but I might be wrong. But see, that's the part that that's, always struck me so— That's awesome. I, I can't speak for—I'm uh, not going to speak for the entirety of the full preterist you know, community, okay? Because there I, are a bunch of different ones well, of you. There are, but even she so, definitely <laughs> don't there's know. different ones she of us She talked to me everywhere. as if I was like— a bunch of different ones of yuns, yeah. like that. Yuns. That sounded very racist. Hey, well, you know, there's 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 a, there's a little preterist and there's partial preterist. There's full preterist. I mean, come and on. And even now. among the full preterist, they <laughs> argue preterist. argue with one another no, on the word. internet. What did he say? Hyper preterist. Hyper. Yeah. No, we purposely didn't use the word hyper anywhere in our book. You didn't. People right. they label hyper dispensational. Well, that's because hyper if you did, like, you'd term. have to give Sam Frost the credit, and we're not doing. I, it. I like. That. <laughs> you just did. Aside, I love you, Sam. Everybody knows I love Sam Frost. <laughs> I, I, I like super preterist because it sounds like they might fly <laughs> across town and take care of a problem. The past. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Everybody, hold on one second. I just lost my screen. I I have I have the internet that Morris Broadband will sell me. I swear. 
Do you? Yeah. When we moved to Spartanburg, it was amazing how different it was. Really? We can still see you. Did you have Morris? I can't see you. I had Morris Broadband. Sorry, crosstalk. That is so bizarre. Oh, now you're back. The worst. Okay, whatever. (laughs) That's Satan. (laughs) Yeah, listen to you. The devil's in my computer. It is. The devil (laughs) is possessing my computer. Which is the devil. Satan. Devil doesn't want this interview to happen. That's <laughs> yes, right. Revelation, Revelation 20, which so, is the devil. Yeah, like, we, have like, we have like 200 meg download, yeah. theoretically, which is complete horse yeah. hockey, but whatever. Sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, what I was saying was, is that you would think that within the full Predators community, because uh, very rarely do I meet anybody that just becomes a Christian as a full Predators. Now, I do know a couple, actually, um, that I've been talking to huh? over the phone that actually were, you know, became a Christian and a full preterist at the same time. It, it, like it all happened at once because they were introduced that way. But I wasn't wow. where I was raised, right? So culturally where we're raised, a lot of times you become what your your culture is. So for me, this process was a painful one. I didn't I didn't actually go through the amillennial or post-millennial. I automatically mm-hmm. went to partial preterist. Just mm-hmm. that partial preterist view. And the reason why is because like every Christian is a preterist to an extent. Okay, we have this extent of preterism. If you believe that Christ died and you weren't there, but you believe that he died in the past, that he was buried in the past, and he was resurrected in the past, then you are a preterist to an extent. But when it comes to eschatology, the word means something different, right? That's right. Would that be a hypo? hypo. If it turns out preterism is true, we're going to find out that everyone was one anyway, whether they believed it or not. (laughs) Well, That's that's right. (laughs) Yeah, it never tells you, the gospel never says, and you have to believe this specific eschatology to have my mercy. It never says that, but it does help in our worldview. All of our worldviews are shaped by what we believe in regard to eschatology. But I don't necessarily right. think that yes. your worldview and my worldview are that different. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, well, your worldview might not have been, pews, but my worldview has changed dramatically. And the, and the people in the pews, like there's a lot of people that, that keep secrets and don't come out about a lot of the things they believe because the people sitting next to them are their friends and they don't want to lose their friends just because of something <laughs> that they believe. Fortunately, yeah. We've experienced that a lot. We know a lot of... Uh, I have teenagers. Call clo- <laughs> we call them closet preterists. Yeah. We have a lot of friends who are closet preterists. And yeah, they don't want to be ostracized. They don't want to be treated the way that Peter and I are being treated. Yeah. 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 Well, what were you saying, Sarita? Like, so about worldview. Like, let me give you my, my worldview. There was a time whenever I thought I wasn't going to make it to see my kids as adults. I was really concerned. I was worried about the school. I was worried about their life. That's what I thought. I just, I was being told on a weekly basis that it's going to be over at any second. So I thought, is there any reason for me to go to school? I don't even know if I really should go to school because Jesus could be coming back right now and I really should be focusing on things that are important. I'm not going to waste my time at school when I can be with my children right now. Not thinking about the future. That was me. I literally did that. And so obviously I made choices and I did it anyway. I did, but my worldview, I stayed on edge. I was on edge. Now, maybe that's not your experience, but that is certainly mine. It's not mine or most of the people that I know who are, I'm no longer a dispensationalist, but um, who are dispies, who are left, who, who who just don't even think about it. Yeah. They don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about it. They're just living their lives. You know, I had so much else to worry about trying to just overcome my past. Yeah. That worrying about the future wasn't even yeah in my in my realm so when i heard 
at that first preterist conference we went to, when I heard someone say, I heard a pastor say, why would you be polishing brass on the sinking ship? I'm like, I've been in four or five churches my whole life. I've never heard that term ever. It's Christians around the world for centuries that have operated the orphanages, who have gone out on missions, who have taken care of the poor, who have done that. They had differing views on eschatology. If you go back through the centuries, and they all they of them differ- were future. Let's be honest. Most and, of them, and none of them were worried about. I mean, they 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 thought about Jesus coming again, but it didn't shape. I'm not sure where you, I mean, I know now you're where you went to church, but I want to still take care of those who are downtrodden. I was, because the Bible says, care for the widow and orphans. Yeah. It Outside didn't stop of you dis- from acting. It didn't stop me from acting like Christ. And so my worldview has always been how can I be more like Christ? Mm-hmm. That is loving my neighbor, loving God, taking care of the poor, the downtrodden, and the, or- and the widows mm-hmm. and the orphans. So if I do that, it doesn't matter whether he came in AD 70 or he's coming next week or in seven years from now or in 25 years from now. It doesn't matter. I'm ready either way. Mm-hmm. I've always been a hope for the best, prepare for the worst kind of kind of yeah. a person. You know, I'm going to go take this test I'm right and I'm going to make an A, but I'm going to prepare as if I'm going to make an F. Okay. And so I'm glad now that I know all these different ways that people believe because if you're wrong, Okay. If I'm wrong, okay. I think, all you, every, I think everything, I think all of that other stuff is just a distraction to yeah. keep us from, from doing what Christ has told us to do, which is what we're doing here is the Great Commission. And I'm trying to be humble and say, and I know that that sounds the least humble. If I, I'm trying to be humble <laughs> to say I might be wrong. But if I'm wrong and I prep for what I believe in and I'm wrong and you're right. I've lost nothing. Well, no, because you're 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 standing on the blood of Jesus. What was that, Andy? You were going to say? It was a joke that would have been mediocre if I hit the timing right. So <laughs> oh, we're going to skip it. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. It was fine. Your question was way more germane. Uh, yeah, and if I can just jump in on that, I, I agree with, with what she. I'm sorry. And was that Sharita? Sharita. No shud. Just Sharita. I'm. Oh, I apologize if I mispronounced it. Sarita? Yes. Okay. okay. No, I agree with what she just said. And, and I hope it doesn't come across that we we're saying, I, I agree. And, and there are Christians who, I'll give you Pastor Jack Hibbs, for example. He's a dispensationalist. He's a futurist. But he still believes in trying to fight to make this world a better place. And he gets involved in politics and tries to encourage his people to vote in this and that and, and make this world more godly. So I agree. It doesn't necessarily affect your worldview or how you live your life, but it does affect some people's or a lot of people's. That's true. And we do, we do experience this attitude from Christians who they're just waiting any moment for this rapture. They don't care about fighting because they think, well, the world's supposed to get worse because this dispensationalism teaches this pessimistic outlook. And so, so that, that is happening. And I'm not, we don't mean to say that that affects every Christian that way. So I hope we're not coming across that way. I, I absolutely agree with everything she yeah. just said. I don't say you personally come across mm-hmm. that way. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> nor, neither in, in this interview nor in the book. But I have encountered it online and at, 
and, yes. and yeah. some of these other yeah. videos and things that I've watched. It it's a disdain for people who think that that's something's still to come in the future. Yeah. Right. I get it. I get it. And you're you're totally right. Yeah. Just like there's disdain from my side, and I hate to, ugh, I don't want to use the word my side. <laughs> that people who right. believe, well, people who believe like I used to. Right. Oh, you can't. You you must leave our church. Yeah. You can't wait till they. Yeah. <laughs> wait till they find out what I believe. I mean, there. Well, I, I really am. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. what that that you know. I've been called out as a damnable heretic, not a heretic, a wow. damnable heretic. And so I've argued this point. I was just called out the other day. Sam Frost just did it the other day. He's he's nice, very nicely trying to pr- bring something up. And it's because, you know, and I gave him a long response, what I thought was a fair and honest response. But it's it, it worries me whenever we start using those kinds of words towards one another. That's why when I saw Kirk Cameron put the forward in your book, I thought, that's really nice, considering that the left behind guy is allowing our view to be considered with mm-hmm. the rest of them. Yes. So yeah. that even though he's not the end all of Christianity, you know what I mean, but but he's obviously uh, he he's a big player. He does. In America, everybody knows Kirk Cameron is a a Christian that he does Christian films, that he does Christian books and you know. Right. And so you know, most people know who he is, but when he wrote the foreword, I thought that is so nice because what he said in your foreword is like, "Hey, these are just the views, and there's some views, and everybody's different. But these yeah. are acceptable views. But we were put in it as well. Well, I like that. And that they, made me happy. I like know? that they mm-hmm. put that in the book from Chuck Miser. What he says, what he, he said, uh, he thinks one of the things we need to tread carefully because it's so emotional, and we need to realize we're dealing with deeply held beliefs. So yes. we need to do that with some, some compassion. That's right. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a touchy yeah. subject, and people are very passionate and emotional about it. Absolutely, yeah. About and, especially when it comes to religious beliefs. Yeah, but, yeah go ahead, Dal. No, oh, yeah. I mean, I just <laughs> that's excellent. I was for this. Say, and, and these these, these are the by the way, his name is like, Pete. His middle name is Dahl. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it's Honey Bear. Honey Bear. <laughs> Sorry. So I, we no. we give everybody a nickname in here. What's your nickname, Rachel? What's yours? I call her Rapture Ready Rachel. <laughs> So, so we got Pete. And honey. He's Predator's Pete. Yeah. <laughs> That's better than Stinky Pete. Oh. So anyway, uh, what, what were you saying, Pete? I was just gonna, I was just going to say, you know, these other beliefs too. Like people have to remember, these are beliefs that are held by sincere Christians, mm-hmm. and you know, we're, they're not trying to like deceive people. It's just kind of like where they're at, and you know, and they're trying to figure it out. We're all on this journey. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all at different stages. We're all, you know, right. trying to do the best we can and try to get to the truth, you know. And it's just unfortunate. A lot, a lot of times, you know, some people just lay in the other people and you know get out the pitchforks. They, they get very hostile. Yeah, it's, and just, I, it's it's awful, and that's part of the reason when we said that in our book. Like, look, guys, open your eyes. There's all these different views and there's all these different reasons why people believe it. Sincere Christians who've studied to try to figure out their Bibles. Let's stop being so hostile and judgmental towards each other. You know, let's stop all the division. So what I wanted to do with this book, too, especially was instead of just kind of like butting heads and just like arguing, why don't we just take someone by the hand and just guide them through all these different views? I mean, like. 
Hey, did you know there's five views of the rapture, five views of the millennium, five different ways to interpret revelation? Hey, did you know there's all these different ways of looking at, you know, all the discourse? And again, I mean, the main thing, too, is we just the purpose of this book is to educate the church instead of all this indoctrination or you're just raised with one view or, you know, we we're talking about the anchoring bias. That's the only view you heard. So this must be the only one that's right. And everything else is heresy or whatever. Just take someone by the hand and just walk them through history, walk them through all the different views and just see the other beliefs, you know, from sincere Christians. I just we wrote that in the beginning of the book. And I just love that because there there are they are sincere Christians, most of them. And they're and they're trying to figure out, you know. Yeah, I don't think any pastor out there is intentionally deceiving people. I would never accuse anyone of that. I think they're. They're deceived themselves, unfortunately, mm -hmm. if, if I can be honest. And they don't even know. And, and I just like when we spoke about this on the phone, Rick, like I get like not everybody has the ability or the time to study the way that Peter and I have. But if I could just let Christians know one thing, it's like just because someone has the title of a pastor doesn't mean they've got it all figured out and they know everything. Mm -hmm. We hear pastors all the time. We listen to lots of different pastors online and on TV, and we hear pastors confusing these terms. They don't know the difference between preterism and postmillennialism. They don't know the difference between um, preterism and historicism. We recently heard Pastor Jack Hibbs talking about the rapture, and he thought that mid-trib and pre-wrath are the same thing. They're two nope. different views. Mm -hmm. You guys got it. These pastors aren't even doing yeah. their homework. So you can't just trust whatever they're telling you. And they the, copy each other too. And whose and who's history are you reading? The Christian history, the Jewish history, the, I mean, you know. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for your revised division, uh, um, edition of this, I would like you to add in those people who believe that um, the Antichrist is not Roman. Is there one? I believe there is. <laughs> the well, um, is the um, let me go back to are you, the people who are you believe that the legs of iron and the statue are not Roman. Yeah, that is not are, are Rome. You speak, are you speaking of the preterist view? There's some full preterists who believe that the that's actually the the Jews. No, is that what you're speaking of? No. Okay. okay. There's a book I would like for you if you or yeah, maybe we should talk about that offline. No, go ahead. It's, it's called the Mid East Beast. Um, I've heard but of it. I've heard of it. It's um, mm -hmm. it's oh, people who it's, uh, it's, it's, Muslim. It's, it's an Islamic Islam? caliphate. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's something oh, I've encountered. You know what? Yes, we are familiar with that. You, that's a good point. Yeah, that's another one. That's the thing. There are so many different interpretations, and, and like you guys were saying earlier, all these variations within the views. That's why writing this type of a book is really difficult because yes. you can't really pin down any one view. Within each view, there's all these different interpretations of like, who's the Antichrist? What's the mark of the beast? What's this? What's yeah. that? So we did our best to include Here a lot of the popular views. And well, some believe this, some believe that. This is yeah. the majority, but then some think it's this. We really try to be careful with how we worded all of that. But but that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the internet and these deep videos and this and the, this AI, I mean, it could be someday that Antichrist uh, tends up ends up being some AI computer out there um, <laughs> controlling the world. If you mm. believe in an Antichrist, well, right? the UFOs got to come first, pal. Those have already come. <laughs> They're here, no, Area Fifty One. This episode is brought to you by Carolina Cases. Whether in your home, auto, suitcase, or hotel room, you can be assured that with Carolina Cases, you can protect what matters most. 
Carolina cases are TSA approved, so you know your items are secured in a shock and impact-proof hard case. These lightweight, durable cases come with pre-cut protective high-quality foam to fit your pistols by make and model, compact size, or full size. They also come in a universal configuration for multiple options. Carolina cases are more than a pistol case. They are available in fully customizable foam to protect what matters. You can go to their website at www.carolinacases.net to see their designer protective lid designs. Each is laser engraved to give you unmatched style at home or on the range. So protect what matters most. Visit www.carolinacases.net. That's www.carolinacases.net. And also, enter code BURROWS at checkout to receive free shipping. That's right. Just enter the code BURROWS at checkout and you'll receive free shipping. Later yeah. on, you announced that you have another book. Is there another yeah. book on the horizon? I want to do one, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want to just kind of show the weaknesses of the dispensational view um, and just kind of pick it apart a little bit. More um, more in-depth than, yeah, yeah. than what we've already and done. Just, just, just yeah. that. Just look at the view and just piece by piece, you know, kind of through the – you know, like starting with the rapture millennium, you know, the phases the of the second coming, the phases of the rapture, the phases of the day of the Lord and all these things. And mm-hmm. just kind of pick it apart a little bit and just kind of sh- just so people can see, you Show know, the errors and the kind yeah, of scripturally. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we feel it's the weakest view. Peter is just so frustrated with it. And he just he wants to end that deceptive system where we always we're like, look, you don't have to believe what we believe. Pick any of you. Pick any of you besides dispensationalism. They're all more biblical. Yeah. And so he really wants to just write yeah. a book specifically addressing that issue. Yeah. Do you know who it's else said exactly what you just said? You know who else who said? C.H. Spurgeon. Ah. He said, pick any view but the Plymouth Brethren's. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Not yeah. in those words. He sounded a little bit more British when he said it. Pick any view. <laughs> Yeah, we love Spurgeon. Yeah. yeah, so do I. a lot in our book, yeah. Yep. So, uh-huh. um, no, I think that's. I think it's a wonderful book. I've, I've already read it twice. Um, and funny enough, right now, my wife and I are using your first book as a devotion in the morning. We're reading oh, it together. Gosh. You know, we, we read it together. And yeah. um, we talk about it like we – because it is. It's really – it's fascinating. She doesn't hold the view, but she's trying to understand why I believe the view. And we that's love one great. another, and that's the Perfect. way it's going to be, right? Is that another that's Burrow that's podcast? Wonderful. Huh? Is that another sad Burrow maybe. podcast? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, how do you how do you use an eschatology you're... book as your devotion for love? <laughs> <laughs> it works for us because we love one another. She wants to understand why I believe what I believe, but mm-hmm. I also want to be gentle and have her understand, like, there is a reason why I've come to this position. And yes. it was through much pain, many tears, much frustration, um, mm-hmm. fear, anxiety. When I finally said, okay, I remember I did it right here in this room. I went through that transformation on the podcast in real time, which is why Rick Carter loved me so much because he got to hear it in real time. And, and I meanwhile, find- I was going to my husband going, can you believe this guy believes this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but there's this, uh, as I was going through yeah. it, I would say I'm not a fool. I'm not a fool, guys. But but I'm a, I'm a partial. I'm not a f o o l preterist. Um, but I would say. <laughs> but then there was that one moment, and I said, guys, I have to take it all the way if I'm going to remain consistent. If I'm going to stay in this view, 
And uh, yeah, Rick Carter said he was driving down the road and he threw his arms up in the air like, yes, you know. <laughs> and it's and the thing is, when I started sharing it, when I started that Olivet Discourse view, I didn't believe I wasn't a full preterist, but I was teaching it from the full preterist perspective, mm-hmm. just because I wanted to give it a fair shake. I thought. I've never heard this. This is one of the most fascinating views. And everything that I see seems so incredibly consistent. And I I can actually read the Bible and I understand it. And there are some things that I'm not quite sure about. I don't want to say that I'm a full preterist, but I definitely want to say that's where I was at. Mm-hmm. But then as I kept going and I kept going and I kept going, and then it's like all of a sudden for me, the light bulb turned on. And then that's when I really got scared. I was truly mm-hmm. scared, but I was exhilarated. Yeah. You felt that too. It wasn't easy for any, again, and I always try to emphasize that. Mm -hmm. It's like, we understand that the process, it wasn't easy for us. We believe it fully now, but we both had a struggle and wrestle with it. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time and Peter was not even on board with me and I I couldn't even process it in my mind. I was like, am I actually saying like that? I think Jesus already came back. I can't believe I'm saying Yeah. It yeah. was really hard. And I said she was crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I we, was there we get it. We, we've been through it. So for anybody who wants to judge us or think, how can you think that? We understand. Yeah. We get it. We've been there. And we did it to ourselves. And and that's the, that was, for me, that was one of the most strangest moments. Is like I shared it with Cherry. And I have a, a dear relationship with Cherry. Uh-huh. And I led her to the Lord and I brought her to the church that we go to and, you know, got her sucked right into some good old fashioned dispensationalism pre-rapture. And, oh no. But that doesn't mean they're wrong on anything else. I'm having a on cramp. The, on the cross no and the, and that? the, resu- that doesn't mean they're wrong on the cross and the resurrection and the loving no. your brethren. No, no, no. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. no. And that's no, the no, point. But, it was yeah. all yeah. wonderful. Right. She still goes there. I mean, yeah. But, but the point is, is that when I said, hey, Cherry, I want to show you this. She's like, you're crazy. Like what? You know? And, but Mm -hmm. I kept thinking to myself, I don't want to push. I don't want to push. I know how this feels. I don't want to push. And so, but I am glad. I'm thankful that us in this room, that's why Mm -hmm. like for, like when you just said Islamic caliphate, I've never even heard of that. So you got to <laughs> share it here. Okay, so let me, can I just say to the Ruse, and, then, and that's your, that's how I pronounce your last name, right? Ruse? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was on a trip last summer with, with my church, um, and somebody said, hey, your kids tell me you've been studying eschatology. And I went, oh, God, because I go to a traditional Southern Baptist church. And um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, please don't ask me any questions. Like, <laughs> you've, been, <laughs> you've been to seminary, you're in seminary. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what have you been studying? And, and so I kind of laid out what I believed. And I was only kind of halfway to where I, kind of halfway there to quote, um, Bon Jovi, but um, couldn't, get, couldn't get the words out of my mouth. Um, but he was living on a prayer. I was living words. on a prayer, and, <laughs> and so I kind of told him what I believed, and he looked at me, and I thought, "Here it comes. They're going to ask me to no longer be in this church, no longer teach." And he goes, "You wouldn't believe how many people I know in our church who believe that almost that exact same thing, but are afraid to say anything." And I was like, wow, whoa, excuse me. What are you talking about? And so I, when I got home from that trip, I went to my husband. I said, do you know how many yeah. people in our church believe? Because he was kind of, he's been kind of going back and forth and toying with different things now that I've started. 
and I've been teaching it to my kids and I'm like, oh my word, there are people, they're just, they've been left behind, shamed (laughs) into believing that we get to escape and get out of here. And, you know, that, that escapism is, is not necessarily good, but then I would go to church and that same person would say, so what you've been studying lately? Yeah. What you've been studying lately? And how to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> How to not get kicked Aww. out of the church I'm currently in. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, all that to say is it, it, it can be scary when you go to share for the first time. And and especially oh, yeah. if it's something that's outside whatever the Western church is. But the more that I share about it, the more I see. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's wow. in my social media feed or, or um, Twitter or different things like that. I just see it's it's just different. I think it's interesting that hearing all of you talk about something that I'm on a completely different end of, and I've never decided if I'm full or partial or anything like Tell that. Tell me more, Ralph. But <laughs> <laughs> the uh, when I first heard all, I've been asking questions since I'm a kid, especially about some of this end times. And I remember when I was 19, I left the Catholic Church over uh, that question and another question. Uh, so when I heard this the first time, I'm like, well, God, that makes sense to me. That that answers a question I've been asking for about 30 years that nobody wants to answer, that they say, just have faith. And I said, that kind of fits. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have any, any – I still have to study and do Can we label you that? No, I'm just kidding. So what – and that's beautiful, and I think that's just it. We – you know, and I, that's – so let's just end this on this high note, okay? I think although – you know, not everybody, not every view could be, you hit the highest popular views. Mm-hmm. This book, in my opinion, is a must. It's a must for everybody's library. And I think that you should get it. Definitely. And I think that you should take some time and learn the views. Don't be judgmental. If you're a premillennial dispensational person and you want to hold to that view and that's where you are, just look at the other views. Just understand that your Christian brothers and sisters in the world don't necessarily believe exactly like you, but they have a reason why they believe the way they believe. And so Kirk Cameron recognized that and gave a foreword, which I think is awesome. You guys recognize that. You put it out. Rick Carter sees it. Hey, this needs to be a book yep. that you should start with Start. and then, then lead it to, and then go to the return of Christ after. I think there's no reason why you couldn't do that. Let's sell yeah. a million of these first ones, and then when everybody <laughs> gets excited, we'll do two million of the second. But even Love Sarita, it. Sarita noticed at the end it's a little biased. I agree. And I think that's okay because that is our view. Because it's your book. It is your book, and it is our view. And I think, yes, you should be able to say, okay, yeah, you've got to read all 10 books by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. We're just going to give one a smidge of a a little bit for us on our side, right? That's where they are. So, Well, I just want to say with the confirmation bias at the end, when you mention Eusebius and Arrhenius and there are some others, I can go and look in their writing and and pull out different views that they had at different points and Mm -hmm. and make my – confirm my particular bias. Sure. So I just, you know – as a matter of fact, that's what I did all day today was study. I read, yeah. I read Irenaeus today. You studied all Aww. day how to, yeah. confirm, how to confirm your own bias? Yeah, it was, yeah, that- <laughs> it was boring. You know what I was reading today? I, uh, I was reading Josephus today. <laughs> okay. Because I learned, I found out that King Herod knew Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Did you guys know that? Yep. 
No. Isn't that wild? And yes. Yep. They knew like they were, they were contemporaries. <laughs> they were. And they were contemporaries, wow. which I thought was wild. So King Herod uh, knew Cleopatra. Uh, so um anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate the honest feedback. And I always think that I've always figured we say we, we you know we wrote an unbiased book. The fact of the matter is it's nearly impossible to be completely yeah. unbiased. That's right. We really tried our best to give each view a fair shake. And yeah. I thought really when did. in the actual book at the beginning and in, in, in the different views that you did that. And I will okay. say you did that as fairly as you possibly could. It was at the end where uh-huh. because I maybe somebody who doesn't know what you are. Right. Who's reading this wouldn't necessarily understand it. But when you start trying to prove preterism through the early church fathers, that's where the 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 bias started to show up a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, where I've read those same church fathers by uh, Amir Safardi, who's trying to prove pre millennial ah. dispensationalism using the very yeah. same quotes. So I just, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I like. I wanted to go and oh, read that book today, the heresies book. And I was like, Oh God. So I was reading parts of it. I didn't read the whole thing to be honest with you. Cause I don't yeah. know Greek. Gotcha. Does anybody know how old Irenaeus thought Jesus was when he died? F- 50. Yeah. 50. And then that his ministry was actually 15 years. Right. Correct. So, yeah. 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 How about that? So yeah, Eusebius and so and well. Eusebius, well, and Eusebius was also a universalist that everybody was saved. And Eusebius okay. also so you there's talks a whole, about he talks about that giant UFO op thing in over Jerusalem, <laughs> just like Josephus did. You guys know what I'm talking about? The, in Josephus, where they talk where they talk about seeing the chariots in the sky oh, yes, over yes, Jerusalem. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, Eusebius yeah, mentions yeah. that as well. Yep. Yep. That's in our book. So they anyway. were also replacement replacement theologists too, both of them. Well, what is replacement theology? Don't we all do it? It'd be split anyway. It can be. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. That's my confirm bias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like I like I said, you know, some of the quotes can be taken and used to prove, and I heard. Actually, I heard a pastor on the way up here use it to to use some of the quotes that you used to believe in uh, pre-trib dispensationalism. So it's it's kind of bizarre that we can go into it already believing what we believe and then expecting you know it to fall in line and make it work. And so so Andy was right. Even Andy was right that it can't it well, can't be exactly. And so as we wrap up here, think about it like this. Has anybody ever heard like somebody who gets saved, like they had a difficulty understanding how much the father loved them because their own earthly father didn't love them. Mm -hmm. And you know how long it took. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. So all of those things were true that the father did love them, but they Mm -hmm. couldn't accept it because of the, the stimuli or the things that they got over the course of their life. I think that's true for anything. When you get into a systematic theology or an eschatology or whatever, you'll hear some things that your own brain will not be able to accept, but it's kind of like the way that the father loves you. Be patient. Take some time. It's worth your time to study the word of God. And to, if you hear these ideas, to be a Berean and to check it, to really do the work. And that's yeah. where it's at. But Do we're the really lazy, and we don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't yell at the people who aren't lazy. Except for me. Right. Like, yeah, I but what I'm saying is don't yeah. yell at the don't people who aren't lazy, yep. right? 
Yeah. And that's the problem. And y'all weren't lazy in this book. And no, so I appreciate they, that. Remember, guys, get this book. We, get this we, book we try to pack a lot of info. We try to make it easy. You could spend hours and hours of reading dozens and dozens it of books. It looks better on your side, Pete. We packed in, in this, you know, um, I lost my, my, my train of I'm thought. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's about people being. I'm modeling the book. No, it's okay. But you were just. All in all, I think we've covered what we needed to cover, which is that it's the, in my opinion, again, guys, this is a necessary book oh, to have in yeah. your library. I definitely think that. So let's get a million copies sold. How's that sound? Now, now. I was just going to say, um, if you're not, unfortunately, the problem with not being willing to look into these things or study them for yourself, you allow yourself to be deceived. Because, like I said, there's plenty of examples where pastors have deceived people, not not necessarily intentionally, but they'll quote somebody trying to back up their view, or they, like I said, they misrepresent the other views, and we're just trusting what they say. And yeah. it, you know, if you don't do your own homework, yeah. you're going to fall into deception very easily. That's why we need end times explained. But sorry, that's right. <laughs> end times explained. That's right. Well, Pete and Rachel. Thank you so much. And guys, whoever has listened to this podcast, I'm going to give you a cool little treat. If you can remember where Pete and Rachel, where they came up with the idea for their first book and then how they titled it. If you will send me an email at info at the first one that comes to me will get a free Return of Christ book and End Times Explained book shipped to you at absolutely no charge. Because Aww. I have extra copies that I can give away. But for right now, go buy the book, folks. And then, but if you want, that's how you can get a free one. Awesome. Cool. Thank, thank you so you. much. Absolutely. Well, thanks guys for being on the show. It means a lot to me. And uh, I hope to get to see you guys soon. I'd like to, uh, I don't I don't plan on being in Rochester. I was just in Long Island. When were we in Long Island? October. Yeah, back in October. How far is that from Rochester? Mm. Like five hours? All the way across the state. All the way. Well, up. Rochester, <laughs> yeah, up. Rochester is up. It's yeah. upstate. It's up. Yeah. It's up. Yeah. Yes. Well, in winter, eight hours. Summer, maybe six hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the real upstate. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Rick, Sarita, Andy, Here. Ralph, Cherry. Thanks everybody for thanks, being guys. here. Go to endtimes-explain.com and get both of their books and guys tell other people about it. And if you want to get the free books from me, just answer those questions and send it to info at burrazabria.com. And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burrazabria. Peace out. Bye, y'all. Later. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. I just never expected to have this many problems, <laughs> honestly. You guys are funny. Well, I think that, that laptop ran, ran Windows 98 when it was first purchased. 
<laughs> yeah, external hard drive is always a good bet when you're this like, laptop. I'm just picking the one that I've got. Ooh, yeah, I just want you to know that this <laughs> laptop is the Mac Daddy, except <laughs> right now. Because it belongs to the pod, father, I the know. Mac Daddy. I, I got one of the, the Mac M2s, and I'll put it up against anything Intel makes, like, without hesitation. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I've almost been converted to the Mac side. The, the Intels, they've run up against the wall with the technology, and it's just like they just keep adding cores, and they're hot, and your computer's always overheating, and a fan's always blowing I'm and slowing close. it down, because every time you do real work on an Recording Intel. Recording in progress. There we go. What a mess. Hopefully, I'll be able to get you the video. Hopefully, you'll be able uh, to hear me. And hope and uh, Andy, okay. Andy's awesome at like saving things. Like he can, we mess up a lot in here and he really makes us sound awesome, better than Andy. we are. These disjointed. He makes us sound good. Yeah. He did a great job with our first interview because I know I paused a lot and stuff and like, and I was so nervous and he fixed it. He made it sound really nice. Yeah. yeah. I try to, I try to keep it flowing. I want people to listen. You know? Yeah. 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 He, he, you would be surprised how many. <laughs> Or that sound. Oh, yeah. just God, I hate it. <laughs> big, big pauses. Wow. Big pauses where everybody's just getting organized and stuff. Yeah, cut them out. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Are you it. guys doing a um, an option Thank for you, like Alex. autograph books? Thanks to all of you. Do what now? Sorry? I don't know if they'd hear me. Oh, he said, are you guys doing aut- Are you guys giving an option of autographed books? Anybody yeah, who asks us, because yeah. we we fulfill all the orders ourselves. A lot of people ask us, "Hey, will you sign my book before you send it?" And yeah, we'll, yeah of course, you, we always do that. You yeah. might do a drop when you do the drop down when you when you click on it on the link that does. He's the drop saying down. charge more. Well, He's saying go get that money. Oh, we well, I mean you can, more. but when you drop when you do the drop down, you can do one that has the autograph. An autograph version or a non-autograph. There's version. no reason why you couldn't add a dollar for an autograph. I mean, Absolutely, it does yeah. add some. I it's mean, labor. It's, it's labor. not a lot of labor. Why not? But it's at least a dollar for no labor. You know what? Add seven dollars. Pen. <laughs> the writer's cramp. It's like there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you guys signed all know, of our right? books, so thank we you thank for you. doing that. All right, guys. Well, you have a good evening. Thank Thanks. You. Awesome. Good to see you guys. Right, you too. Thanks, everyone. Bye. We appreciate right. it. Take care. Y'all come back now. Love you guys. Get on, get! You're right on time there.